Major. I'm on site. Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 11 for March the 31st, 2017. And uh, what's happening, guys? A whole ton of trailers have hit this week. I don't know that I can recall a week with more trailers than this one. Well, that's 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 pretty exciting. Well, it is. If We've got some peaks at things we wanted to see. So CinemaCon is going on this week in Vegas. That's the annual convention where theater owners go and the studios show them what's coming for the rest of the year. So I thought maybe we discuss a few of them. I've now shown you all the trailers that I've seen. And I'm going to start with the weirdest one. A ghost story. Had you heard anything about this movie? Nope. Nope. Okay, so it's Casey Affleck in a bedsheet playing a ghost. Yeah, we watched the trailer. It, uh, he's literally in a bedsheet. It's what you'd imagine. It's the typical Halloween costume, bed sheet, two holes cut out for the eyes. And his character dies early in the movie, it looks like. And he haunts his house. Other families come and go. And I, I'm really pumped for this one. I think it looks great. Yeah, I was very intrigued by the trailer. And yeah, I want to go see it. Absolutely. Next up, we have the movie It from Stephen King. I sat next to Roger tonight at the movie, and I could actually feel him cringe from two seats over. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go see it. <clears throat> this one hits all my buttons, as you can imagine. I like the original, but the original was a TV show. It was a TV miniseries. Yeah. This is a theatrical version of it. Have you ever read the book? I, no, I have not. Okay. Well, they face it in two different time periods, when they're children, and then they come back as adults. This movie is actually being split up into two parts. The first part is all the childhood stuff. The second part is when they're adults. Now, when you say split up, it's all contained in one movie? Or is it two releases. Two movies. Okay. I don't know what they're going to call them. I assume It Part 1 or It Part 2. But the trailer just says Dude, It. Dude, It looks scary. I'm going to be honest with you. It is. Yeah, I was getting like freaked out scared. Clowns, man. I don't like it. What? It's just a clown. It's just a human being with their face. Now, that painted. was no human being in well, that sewer. He's it. kind of a clown. Oh, well, yeah, but. He's so saying, much more. I'm saying in general, clowns are merely human beings with their face painted <clears throat> that hopefully and have gone to clown school. Poor Georgie, the little boy in the yellow jacket. Oh, my gosh. Oh. His, his fate's never good in it. See, I knew I was in trouble when in the trailer it shows this little kid walk, going down following his little boat into the sewer and then, you know, it pans into the sewer and I'm waiting for a creature to jump in. I'm waiting for the jump scare. That's not what happened. <laughs> oh, did you, have you not seen it? No, I have not seen it. No. Oh, okay. No, here's the thing. Horror movies 
it's not even a horror movie. The genre of horror goes back to caveman <clears throat> times. We told each other stories to teach important lessons. Yes. The lesson from it is never talk to a clown in the sewer. Yeah. You uh, don't, yeah. yeah. If there's a clown in the sewer trying to talk to you, keep walking. Do not talk oh, to that clown in the sewer. Oh and we can all live happily ever after if you do not talk to sewer clowns. I would probably talk to the sewer clown. If I saw that clown in the sewer and I was, and I'm the age I am now. <laughs> You're going to talk to the clown in the sewer? No, I'm, I'm I, I tailing it the other direction <laughs> as fast as my body will carry me. Oh, man, that was just a freaky movie. I'm not. I the money know. shot in the trailer is at the end with it coming out of the water and those yellow eyes. And then running and shaking his head towards the camera. Yeah. Look, I have a big red button in my brain for horror movies. And this thing just is pounding away on it. It's hitting every cylinder. I'm really pumped <clears> for it. I'm happy for you, Adam. I, I hope know. You, I hope you enjoy it immensely. <laughs> I'm going to need those votes in September when this movie comes out. I'm just telling you, it might be the first movie that I bring earplugs and a blanket, <laughs> and a blanket to throw over my face so I when it gets too crazy. We're going to come in, me and Adam are going to outvote you. We're going to bring that thing from Clockwork Orange, and we'll be there with like our droppers, and your eyes won't be able to shut the whole time. Oh, scar me for life. Well, how about this? We got a trailer for It, which comes out in September, before we've ever seen anything on Dark Tower, and that's out in What the July. heck is up with Dark Tower? No one knows. They showed a trailer. There is a trailer. And you messed with me earlier at dinner today when you said, you know, Hurt has been delayed. It was. Dark and I was, like, I was like, I knew it. I knew it. Dark Tower has been delayed yeah. by one week. I don't know what a one-week delay is. I can't think of any other movie that's moved back one week. Yeah, I have no idea because that is a bit strange. Uh, next trailer is Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. This is a movie from the writer-director of In Bruges. And I don't know anything about it other than the trailer. Early buzz is really good. I think it's going to hit in the fall, and I, I think you might see some maybe award contention out of this movie, especially for Francis McDormand. Well, it's funny you said that, and it was by the guy I did in Bruges, and that was my movie homework a couple weeks ago. Right. And I loved that movie. I mean, that like I like loved the movie. So I was so pumped. And then I watched the trailer, and I was like, I don't think I'd like this movie. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I was watching the trailer going, oh, I don't know. What movie? For the, the uh, three billboards? The three oh. billboards. It's because of all the cursing? What? Yeah, that and just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I was like, I don't know if I want to go see this or not. <laughs> just being honest with you, you know. I probably will. I'll probably get drugged to it because I'll be outvoted on a Thursday night. And maybe I'll, I'll see it and love it. I don't know. Yeah. And then we have War Machine, which is Brad Pitt's Netflix well, let movie. Let me say something. Let me yep. back up real quick about three billboards. I just hope that the whole movie wasn't in the trailers. I don't think it is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if that's the whole movie, I'll hate that movie. I'm hoping there's a whole lot. There is so much substance and heart to In Bruges. I'm hoping that'll be in the three billboards movie. I'm hoping they're kind of kind of giving you select parts to kind of draw a certain crowd in or whatever and then it, there's a real heart of a movie there is what i'm hoping okay i'm sorry i'm not trying to no, rush you Adam. no no i'm no not problem. trying to rush you so the next movie is war machine which is brad pitt's netflix movie coming out in may and eh, yeah man <laughs> it's I don't know. about a general having to be brought in to clean up afghanistan build not kill that's what they tell him 
it's a mess. It falls on his shoulders. He's probably a a fall guy. You know, if things go bad, they have someone to pin it on. What I don't like about this trailer is it just looks like Brad Pitt's trying too hard. He's doing kind of a funny voice, doing a lot of facial expressions, acting like he doesn't know how to clap or he's never clapped in his life before. It, I mean, it reminds me that he's playing the role he played in Inglorious Bastards as an old man. But not directed by but Quentin not, Tarantino. But not nearly right. as good. The right. role was he was much better in that movie. That I just thought his acting was terrible in that trailer. I just it was just horrible. I I, I don't know. It maybe, looks like too much. Maybe the movie will be better, but <clears throat> it'll be on Netflix and it'll be free. Yep. And, you don't have to pay for it. And if I don't you have, have to pay for it. So I'll I'll probably give it a shot. But I, I it didn't look very good to be honest with you. Just from my my opinion. Then we have the Book of Henry. This is a movie from Colin Trevorrow, the director of Episode Nine, directed Jurassic World, and of course, Safety Not Guaranteed. Um, the trailer shows us there's a smart little boy. There's a girl next door that's having something bad happen at home with her stepfather. They're not clear on that. And then it just kind of goes off with showing us some Rube Goldberg machines, his mom running around with a sniper rifle, and a book where she's following whatever the boy tells her to do. This is a strange trailer. It doesn't work for me. I mean, it's like, let's all be whimsical and and realize that there's child abuse going on. There's some kind of abuse going on with the neighbor, and I think this might be a real tonal misfire. You can't mix something as heavy and serious as childhood abuse, whatever's happening. Exactly. And then throw in a dash of whimsy. It just doesn't work. I, I've never been able to see. I can't imagine it being pulled off. I, I just that trailer is just a big hot mess. And this isn't a spoiler. I know nothing about this movie, and I hope I'm wrong. The trailer makes it look like Henry's already dead, and the mom's just reading the book. I mean, maybe oh yeah, show the that whole note. trailer had that Sixth Sense vibe to it. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, maybe because they're showing she, us everything. Do you ever actually see them really interacting? Maybe at the very beginning of the yeah. trailer, but then the, half the trailer or more, the, she's talking at him. Yeah. And he's talking at her. Through a book. Through a book. Yeah. And saying there's no other way to do this and everything else. So I hope I'm wrong, but the trailer kind of tells you that Henry might be dead. I think this is going to be, I don't know. I don't know about, yeah. Lucasfilm might be wondering, are we giving Star Wars to this guy? Not just Star Wars. Star Wars 9. A saga Star Wars, not yeah. a spinoff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, and then we have Valerian. We have a new trailer for this, still using Beatles music, and that big red button in my brain that I mentioned earlier, this thing also beats that button like a drum for me. Now, I will agree wholeheartedly here for Valerian. Same thing, it hits my button meter. I, I stoked the world. Just I was just kind of like, oh, this looks incredible. I, I, I really thought, you know, this would be, my kids probably would like this movie, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's just hitting the buttons for me. It's a big pulpy sci-fi adventure. I've never read any of the graphic novels. They're French. They've been coming out since the 60s. So it has a long history. I know nothing about the character, but the trailer works. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I am too. And even if it's a misfire, I think it'll be a fun misfire. I don't think you're going to be bored by this movie. Okay. And then on the DC Marvel front, we have two of our biggest trailers. We have Justice League put out a new trailer, and Spider-Man Homecoming put out a trailer. Which do you want to handle first? I don't care. Homecoming. All right, we'll talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. 
this is our first real good look at the movie. We get a lot more of Tom Holland in characters, both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yeah. We see Michael Keaton as the Vulture. And we see some Tony Stark. Um, more Tony Stark. More Tony Stark than we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, the trailer is fun. It looks good. And I'm excited. I'm, this is the first time I've been excited for a Spider-Man so, movie in some time. Yeah, just to give you an idea, <clears throat> I think how I think this movie may really connect and be a huge hit. I'll just just and I'm, and I may be totally off here, but I showed the I have two I have three teenagers and uh, my daughter is 14 and then I have a middle son that's 15, and they watched the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer on the on the big screen back at the house with me. And as soon as it was over, as soon as it was over, my daughter turns around, and looks at me, and she goes, "Yeah, I think Spider-Man just might be my favorite character, my favorite superhero." It hit all of her buttons. Whatever her buttons were for for that kind of movie, it hit it big time for her. It's, you know, cute boy in high school, the, you know that kind of thing. You know, and and she just really was. We got to go see that opening night, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, and I liked it too. I thought it looked good. So. The fun thing about Spider-Man is it's two roles. When he's Peter Parker, he's polite, the good boy next door. He puts the mask on, he turns into a little bit of a smart aleck. And whether it's just being anonymous or what, he's always throwing out wisecracks. He's being sarcastic to the bad <laughs> That's guys. what I like about him, you know? Yeah. And we should probably ask your comic book friend for <clears throat> to verify this, but in Marvel history, I think the only people ever to have been able to wield Thor's hammer besides Thor have been... Captain America, yep, and Peter Parker. I will throw I will throw it out to Gabe, and just my buddy, it. who is a comic book, in my opinion, comic book expert, and I'll get his thoughts and report back to you guys. Yeah, I think, yeah. and maybe I'm wrong, but I think at least once that Peter Parker has wielded Mjolnir, Thor's <laughs> hammer. And I, then, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to jump on if you want to add something. Um, I, I mean, I was just going to say I watched it. Um, I'm excited. I'm. I got to be honest, not a huge Spider-Man fan. Maybe that's because I've seen his origin story three times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So many times. So I always I'm reserved in my life in my I'm I'm glad it's a Spider-Man without uh, a goblin to face or like eight villains in one movie. (laughs) And we know from Civil War. Uncle Ben has already been handled. That's in the yes. that's in the rear view. <clears throat> right. No, absolutely. So I don't I think just, we're getting an origin story, which we're just getting Peter Parker kind of developing. He's still in high school. And I want to see how Tom Holland does because Peter Parker what I'm sorry, Toby Maguire was a good Peter Parker and okay Spider Man. Andrew Garfield was a great Spider Man with the wisecracking and everything else, but he wasn't as good a Peter Parker as what Toby Maguire was able to bring. So I'm hoping that maybe Tom Holland, Tom Holland can balance out those two roles a little bit better. Yep, absolutely. And then we have Justice League. This hit last weekend, and the at least from what I saw, the internet was not too kind to this trailer. There's a reason for that. <laughs> I mean, you say the internet was not so kind. We're on the internet. Are we going to be kind to it? I can't be kind to this. I mean, <laughs> it's not a good trailer. It just shows the Justice League fighting generic drone aliens and generic mountain ranges. There's not much here. I mean, when you watch other trailers, they have two minutes to show you the best parts of the movie or get you hooked somehow. 
and they don't do it here. I mean, it just felt like they were throwing up random footage. Yeah, I mean, really, Aquaman riding on top of the Batmobile, leaping up in the air on as some creature flies by. He's Aquaman. Put him in the ocean fighting some great creature or something. I, There's no money shots that I remember. And I don't know who does the trailers, but like the Wonder Woman trailer is good. It's cut well, together well. It gives you the feel yeah. of the movie. It gets you invested. I mean, take this, for example. When you see the Guardians trailer, when little Groot plugs in the speaker and Fleetwood Mac starts playing, you're in. You're hooked. The trailer works. And, you know, they show a lot of great stuff, yeah. but Justice League is just kind of a how wet many, fart of a trailer. How many times yeah. have we seen that a different or slight variation of that Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? And every single time you laugh and you chuckle and you're like, oh, that movie's going to be so good. And the music and everything else yes. works. And, you know, my, my wife, we watched it. My wife watched it. The whole family watched it. And I said, well, that was interesting. Batman on a horse, right? And my wife goes, what? That was Batman on a horse? I was like, yeah, she, she, had, you know, had no clue. I was just like, yeah, okay. But I mean, that is, that's out of the comics. I mean, that's straight yeah. out of the comics. They pulled it out. That that's a story. So is that like is, is that like Dark Knight era when he's older or something? He goes. No, and- it's a Justice League comic where he's on a horse. So a bad horse. I mean, I'm assuming everything's bat boat bat plane. This is the bat horse. The bad horse. It's labeled. If it was old school Adam West, it'd be labeled. Well, yeah. And that would be kind of campy and fun and all right. Yep. He'd have the bad horse. Robin would have the bat pony. And they would ride off to save the city. I, 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 there's nothing about that I have seen so far that has me feeling like, like the next movie is going to be any good at all. Well, here's the thing. The last trailer was better. I like the last trailer better where there's some humor. This one is just nothing. And the best parts of the movie, I still have the feeling, are going to be Aquaman and The Flash, just because we haven't dealt with them. Cyborg looks terrible. It's just bad CG and everything else, but I think Aquaman might be fun. And Except the fact that I thought Aquaman had a trident. Whatever he's wielding in this movie has five prongs. We've established that if it had four prongs, we could just call it his fork. If it had two, it would be a bident. Yes, I don't know. One's a spear. Pentident. One's a spear. <laughs> <laughs> One's a spear. A pentident. A pentident. That's what we're going to call it, a pentident. The pentident. Five prongs is damn near a comb. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, almost a comb. One, more, one morning he could comb that, that big thick hair of his, couldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, we don't know what to call his trident, except oh not a trident. Oh, my gosh. Pentident sounds like something I should put on my dentures. <laughs> Is that fixident? Oh, man. What so, a hot mess. We continue to look forward to Wonder Woman. Yes. And we have trepidations about Justice League. Yes. But that's Zack Snyder, and there are Zack Snyder issues all over the trailer. So. Well, I got to tell you, the more and more DC stuff comes out, the more it makes me wary of Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's a different crew doing Wonder Woman. <laughs> it, I don't care. Because it's been all Zack Snyder all the time so far. When was the last good DC movie? Man. Or the better question would be, has there been a good DC movie? There have been. I mean, I like Watchmen. I like Man of Steel. All right. Which which one's Man of Steel? Zod. Michael Shannon's Zod. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. And we're taking in like the Dark Knight, you know. Yes. Yeah. No one. I like the There's first two. There's been some older stuff that's been good. Yeah, we're not that long out there. Yeah, I know. But after the Nolan Batman's, I should say because Man of Steel. because those were good. I mean, yeah. those were. Yes, those were not. Yeah. good. they were great. I liked all of them. Yeah, I did too. Well, that's it. We made it through all these trailers. You have a lot to look at. Go online and check them out. Um, like I said, go look at Ghost Story. You'll be surprised. You might be interested in seeing a movie about a guy in a bed sheet. And I think it'll have more substance than a Terrence Malick movie. It kind of reminds me of that, but I think there'll actually be some heart and soul in this thing. Yeah. I I, I mean, it wouldn't take much. Well, no. But no offense to Terrence Malick. I'm not trying to set a low bar here. I think <laughs> From the bidding I saw for this movie, I think a Ghost Story's good. No, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'd like to see that. That looks really good. No, I definitely want to see it. How do you convince an actor like Casey Affleck, hey, we got a perfect role for you? What is it? Well, you're going to be in a bed sheet the whole time. Dude, it's, I bet as soon as he heard that, he said yes. He probably went, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Because, because I promise you, he will bring a physicality to He's it. He's a man of few words. He so. will, yeah. No, you're right. He will bring a physicality to it, and it'll be good. I'm telling you. And his method, I wonder how he got in the role. He probably just had to go stand in a corner for a while and get loosened up. and. He probably paid everyone around him not to like acknowledge he was there yeah that could just, be just something if you went days like without month. anyone acknowledging you <laughs> that would be in weird. your bed sheet yeah while you're eating at craft services <laughs> well he's pretty legendary for being method to begin yeah. with right yeah, yeah so there's some probably good is he stories the one I, I'm, I'm probably confusing a bunch of actors and stuff but is he the one you were telling us that Whenever he's whenever he's on a set, you have to refer to him by his character name. You can't refer to him. I was reading somewhere, I was he- listening somewhere, where they were talking about this guy so method that whenever he's on the set, he won't he won't even answer to anything. But that's it. Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, that's Daniel Day Lewis. Yes, yeah, method acting no one to a whole new level. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's it for me. All righty, you're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Film Goodery Podcast, and it is now time for our review of our Thursday night movie. Tonight, we had the pleasure of uh, seeing Ghost in the Shell. Um, For those of you that may not be familiar, Ghost in the Shell was um, originally a film in 1995. It was based off a manga of the same name, I believe. and they finally did a live-action remake with Scarlett Johansson, uh, Takeshi Kitano, Michael Pitt. Uh, I can't even pronounce that Norwegian man's name. <laughs> I don't know. He plays Bateau. Yeah, he plays Bateau. Excellent casting as yeah, Bateau, though. Yeah, he's spot-on. Looks like him. Uh, and it was directed by Rupert Sanders, who also did Snow White and the Huntsman. So, Adam... I'll start with you. What did you think of the movie? All right. So brief bit of background. If you've not seen Ghost in the Shell, it's a movie, the cartoon anime about a 
operative that is cyborg. I mean, cyborg. I think that's fair. Yeah. So she's mainly mechanical, but she has a human conscious human brain. Yeah. So she's a mix of human and machine, and she's trying to find she's her. She's an android, right? I mean, no, android. No, not cyborg android. is the mix. Cyborg. Cyborg. Is there anything about her that's not human but her brain? No, just her brain. So that makes her a cyborg. Yes. Cyborg is a mix when you're half or more or whatever. Okay. Half or more? Because Android, it, it Android is just straight robot. Yes. Robot brain and everything, right? Yes. I would define an Android. I just wanted such. to make sure I had my yeah. I had my terminology right. Cyborg, <laughs> I always consider some flesh bits. Yes. But she had no flesh bits. She did. She had a brain. That's a flesh bit. Human consciousness. Human consciousness. Okay. Yeah. Her ghost, as they say in the cartoon and in the movie. Yes. Her ghost, which is different than a soul? It's, I think, a soul. But they mention both in the same sentences. I don't know either. I can't, I mean, I didn't really know from the original ghost in the show. And by the way, we are not going to consider anything from the 1995 anime as a spoiler if we talk about it. Yeah, I mean, she's trying to find her past. She's working for the some sort of police division. Um, she takes out terrorists. She's good at it. She can turn invisible through her active camouflage that's kind of built into her. Yeah, she can go literally completely invisible. And she gets battle damage and she gets patched up. But she's struggling for her own identity. That's kind of the core of the movie is what's human, what's more than human, are we evolving into this kind of deal. Which is different from the original anime. Yeah, they take some different paths here. And I was going to say this too. One question I had was, why didn't they just, why did they make her, why didn't they just make her skin that suit that does that? She's all robot all over. You see what I'm saying? And, you know, there's one scene where she's, they're on a boat and she takes it off and you can see her, ba- her whole backside and she's very human flesh looking person. You know what I'm saying? They I have think the, her skin changes and I, they have I'm not the, familiar enough with the anime to know, but. Well, well it, I, I just say it this, I'll just say it this, but maybe it was just me, but the whole movie they shot, they lit her arms and her face in a way that. It looked like human flesh, but it also looked like not like human, like it was really pristine. And when she took her wetsuit off where she'd been down in the water, you know, kind of deal, it looked just like a real human being back. It still had the lines in it, though. No, it didn't on the no, boat. No, it what did I, not on the boat. No, it didn't. It still had the lines in the back. It didn't I think have the her, shiny blue. It had the lines. I think her skin can change. Yeah. I think it's part of the camouflage you can make herself. That was the only time in the movie that it took me out of the movie, just, yeah. a, ha- just a hair. And it wasn't a big deal. But When I, she's actually using the active camouflage, when she comes out, it looks like a bodysuit because there's some white parts. It's flesh-colored, but different than her skin. I just wonder why they, why they didn't make her skin that bodysuit. I I it's not a bodysuit. That's her. And I think the bodysuit looks like normal skin most of the time. But when she's doing the camouflage, you see what it really looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah, she never had any... Like, when she would take her jacket off, she was naked. 
Okay. But she has no women bits. She's built like a Barbie doll. She's a robot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But her skin, Fair when enough. it's using the active camouflage and everything else, looks like what you're seeing is the body suit. Now, some stuff makes a whole lot more sense to me that I'm thinking about this movie. Because then, I now understand why she would not feel like a human being. Why she didn't feel, even though they kept telling her, no, you're real. Because she doesn't, she isn't really fully built. Like, just, she's not. She's a robot. Yeah. It, with a brain in it, you know? That's really interesting. I'm sorry. I'll let you guys know. No, and then in the movie, she's hunting a terrorist that's starting to hack people. Because in this movie, we're in a cyberpunk universe. People have nodes on the back of their neck. And they 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 tell us a little thing. They don't show as much. It's all telling. Like, you know, a daughter learned how to speak French in the time it took to sing a single song. So people are able to upgrade themselves with new cybernetic parts, hack in... And there's some terrorist out there that is actually starting to hack people. Koozie. Koozie. In the anime, he's known as the Puppet Master. Yes. All right. So before we get into, I guess, more in-depth on the movie, how did it look? Oh, it looks great. I think all the pre-production was done really well. It's a cyberpunk, beautiful city with lots of holograms and everything else. Production design was top-notch. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I loved the world that they were in. It was it looked like a world that was lived in, yet futuristic. And I just loved it. Reminded me of that Bruce Willis movie, the sci-fi that he had done. That that I guess the same art guy or somebody had done that world as well too. It it, it was just real and kind of gritty and cool and you know. Yeah, everything wasn't perfect. Even like the holograms would have bad edges to them because it wasn't quite perfected yet, kind of deal. It wasn't real clean and super sanitary. I guess I'm, you know, trying to. I liked that part. I liked that realism of the world. So very it, much so. Yeah, it wasn't like we hit a future where we're now living in utopia and we have perfect white buildings and green landscapes yeah. and no one's homeless. And I agree with Roger. I think it felt lived in and. Nice. I wouldn't say I wouldn't put it on par with like Blade Runner feel of like street level, but it was getting there. Yeah, that's that has to be the bar, though. You know what I'm saying? That's like the the best. Well, because that's how gritty I imagine it would be. (laughs) Just, you know, in a in a world. Well, Blade Runner is different because you have flying cars and stuff like that. So it has that natural sense of elevation. The higher up you go, the more power you have. This it wasn't like society had reached that point. Everyone was still down the same level, but um, you know, there's a scene where she goes to an old apartment building. And I believe that that was an old apartment building even set in that futuristic place. And it just felt real. It's mainly CG in this movie. There's a ton of CG. Most of the backgrounds, a lot of the oh, yeah. cybernetic implants. The one thing I really liked that stood out was a practical effect was the robo geishas. That was great production design. That's yeah. one of the few examples of actual real physical effects in the movie. They did a good job with the mask and everything else and them walking down the hall. I wish there was some more of that. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The geishas were really nice. And even like when Scarlet's getting worked on, you can tell her arm's just CG. Right. You know, they didn't build a flesh and bone well, model and, or anything but, else. But I thought it was pretty decent. I mean, the CG is great. I mean, I th- there was one... The only scene that really took me out and I thought, oh, that's really bad CG, is the scene where she has to do some jumping. Yeah, it's and a that looked stilted. Re- that looked real 
janky and kind of like artificial a little bit. But other than that, I thought it was great. The, yeah. the scene I liked, and this is, it was so subtle, the scene, but I thought it was done very well, was when Koozie takes part of Scarlett Johansson's face off. Yes. That's that, in the trailer. Yeah, that is a great scene. It just works. Her it's eyes a great still, scene between the two of them. Uh, between the two of them. And, I mean, there's... CG does a lot of good things. Sometimes when you're when you're looking at that, it's hard to show that subtle depth. And I thought they did a great job with that scene. Because that's something where you're close up. It's there. Yeah. If there's... You're looking at a face, which your body's programmed to recognize a face... And if you get that wrong, something's messed up. That's what they call it, the uncanny valley. Yeah, yeah. With the eye. Well, it's actually her real eye. I mean, yeah. they're able to keep that. So it's a very convincing performance. Michael Pitt, most people probably know from Boardwalk Empire. I know him from other things now, Adam. I Thank made you. you watch funny games. But yeah, he's really good. I think is he said Koozie. Koozie, I just yes. want to call him the puppet master. but It's Koozie. I liked him. He's a lot of CG. He's breaking down. He has a... Interesting vocal inflections because his voice might stutter, repeat itself. Or he did a really good job yeah, with that. He's he nailed this. He's probably the best actor in the movie. He's for what great. He had to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree. He's the villain I really, really loved in this movie. The other villain I thought was a throwaway villain. Was yeah. he a villain? I mean, therein lies the bigger question. Well, yeah, yeah. I, but all right, so it's flashy. We've kind of explained it. What did you think of the movie? It's okay. <laughs> I wanted to love this thing. Uh, yeah. And honestly, I mean, I've seen the anime a couple of times. I don't know what I prefer between the two. I might actually give the edge to this movie over the animated version. I might. I've only seen it once. I like... I personally like the story from the anime better. Okay. Because they did, from my point of view... So I don't want to give away too much of the plot because it is a change from the anime. I will tell you what the anime plot is. The anime plot is essentially she, you know, and yes, there may be extended universe stuff that I don't know. I haven't read the mangas. Yeah, seen none of us know of the extended so universe. So I am literally just going off of Ghost in the Shell. So she actually like volunteered to have this done to her body. She comes across the puppet master, who is the mirror of Koozie in this film. And he was essentially an experiment and an AI that they tricked to be trapped in a body. And so you're talking about AI. Right. This was focused more on what it means to be human without an AI or, you know, finding your humanity or whatever. And. To me, I, I made this comment as soon as we got out. I said, for a movie that's about soul, it's surprising how little soul there is in the movie. And that's how I felt. It was, I just felt, meh, the whole time I yeah, was watching The ghost it. was missing. Yeah, the, the ghost of the movie was missing. <laughs> yes. I agree with you there. It's, it's a little flat. There's no heart in the movie. Um, you could have made her more sympathetic or had a different cause. I don't think you had to be as slavish to the material. They made I, changes. I think, I, but it's weird because I would say that this movie is well acted. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and yet it does. The sum of the parts don't add up to heart. Don't add. Don't like Matt said. It's 
It's a movie. It's a movie with a message, and it never really. I have no frame of reference. I didn't see any of the anime, the manga, none of it. I haven't seen read any of it. So I went into it completely blind, cold. And I enjoyed the movie. I liked the movie a lot. Visually great. I want people to go see this movie and support these kind of genres, so we have more movies like this. You know, um, but it ultimately didn't add up to what could have been a really great movie. Maybe. Yeah, it's missing something, and it's it's the plot. I mean, I think that's the weak yeah. part of the movie yeah. is that you feel these characters are being dragged from point to point, not to develop them, not to expand them as characters, but just to flesh. To really get from point A to point B, there's no. Everything feels very assembly line, at least from my point of view from this movie of how we're getting from these points and that See, you're, I think, you feel like you're on a predetermined course. I think you know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I think if you remove whatever the second half of the movie is, where the other villain, the other person is in it, that's out to, that ultimately wants to bring an end to some things. If you just stretch this movie out, get rid of that and stretch the movie out and have more interaction with the, with with the the Kuza, the puppet master and more of an have them interact two or three times and have it be close misses and almost die and you really build something there as she develops from more just being a robot to having a real soul, a real heart, a real she does care about the people she works with and she you know, now that's a story, you know. Right, but you coming from the outside looking at it differently <laughs> because here's the fine line you always have to walk with something like this. There, This ghost in the show is a known quantity. Oh, yeah. Right? So anytime, I mean, if you would completely divert this film, what would fans do? I mean, they would go nuts. I mean, granted, there's already issue now with, you know, like Scarlett Johansson yeah. playing the main role. But even outside of that, the more you change it, the more backlash you're going to get for the people you might actually be making this film for. <laughs> so that's always, I think, a, a fine line people have to to do. And anime, I mean, I know people like their comic books and whatnot, but it always seems that anime, their fans are maybe a little bit more hardcore. <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying you don't have to change the story, but, you know, we see robots, the uh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah Corporation. Yeah, I know it's not Hanukkah like the Jewish holiday, but it's something. It's Hanka, H-A-N-K-A. Hanka. So they show they have robots and droids walking around, and I think maybe if they had showed us mobs mistreating them or her just kind of seeing these soulless things that she's not, and maybe having more of a yeah. internal conflict about what she really is. Because it's not much of a conflict for her. You feel like she's suffering it, but it's they don't show it or they don't really deal with it much in the movie. And, and I just assumed that this film, Adam, was a niche film for a niche audience. But you guys were like, no. So I just thought, now this is completely unscientific, but I just threw up on Facebook when I got in the car. How many of you have ever heard of Ghost in the Shell before the movie that's released? 20 people responded in just like the last 20 minutes. 20 people. Five of them had heard of it, okay. which is a lot more. Now, I know that's not science. So there's definitely, like Matt said, there's an audience out here. People have heard of this just because I haven't. Doesn't mean there isn't a whole group of people. And maybe that I would really be, you know, like people that are hardcore into this, I'd really like to know their their take. You know what I'm saying? You know, um, you know yeah. it might be an age thing, too. Like, I know I saw this in high school. It came out in 95. 
And it, it was a kind of a cultural phenomenon when it hit, at least for the right crowd, the video game and PlayStation crowd mainly. But, you know, this was a big deal. I mean, it was the kind of the second coming of Akira is what a lot of people thought it was. And I don't think it's as good as Akira. No, it is not. But it definitely got some eyeballs on it in the U.S., which is rare at that time for an anime. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So is it time to <coughs> thumbs up, thumbs down, whether or not the film could be recommends Ghost in the Shell? Rogers, since you were the only one that is n- not familiar with the property, would you recommend this movie? So going with our criteria, if I just met a stranger on the road inside the street and got talking and he said, hey, Ghost in the Shell, you know, what, would you recommend it? So I'd have to say yes. I'd recommend they go see it. Even though the plot is the story really could use some tightening up and I'd like to see more heart in it, I think there's enough in it that is worth going to go see. So I'm going to say yes for Ghost in the Shell. Adam? I've been struggling with this. <laughs> I'm a no. And the reason is I would not blindly recommend this to somebody because I don't feel like it's a movie I can defend. The movies I say yes to for our TFC recommends are ones that I want to tell someone to go see it like in Bruges. And then I can't wait for you to come back to me and say, oh, it was great. And we can just talk about it. I don't feel like Ghost in the Shell is going to be that kind of movie where, one, I really want to talk about it again. Or two, that I would feel comfortable someone not knowing me going, really? That guy really liked this movie? So I'm a, I'm a no. Uh, so I guess that leaves me. And I don't know if I'm as strict as Adam is, but any movie where I'm sitting in it and go, man, um, I wonder when this thing's going to be over. Uh, I can't recommend I, I wanted I wanted so bad to to like this movie, and it it just didn't. Yeah. And I it wonder if just a little fell bit. Flat I wonder if me. that just colors our perspective a little bit. You know, just I'm just kind of curious because for me it's like yeah, I, to me there's so much other else in this movie that I liked. I would recommend it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just just because the plot is just not doesn't get there is just not enough for me. And I'm kind of with Matt too. The movie is not long. No. And I knew it was coming. Cause I it, didn't. Know th- I didn't feel it was like long at all. I mean, I literally. I was kind of bored in it, and I think it was mainly because I knew what was going to happen. Oh, see, I didn't. And, and we hit a. There's a stretch near the end of the movie, before the climax, and that was just way too long. It's 106 minutes. Well, I thought we were actually going into the third act, and they were wrapping it up, and I was like, "Oh, this movie's ending. This yeah. is the end of the. This battle with the robot is the end of the movie. You know, kind of deal. So yeah." No, I just and no, you're right. I mean, the movie's pretty. The world is pretty, but you know, and I'm not. It's not like I'm comparing it to the anime because I think the anime is great, right? I like Ghost in the Shell anime because where I grew up, I didn't I didn't know about Japanese anime, right? And Ghost in the Shell was kind of like my first exposure to it. Yeah. So it has this. Uh, like this special place. Absolutely. But leading up to this, I watched the anime again this week. It's on stars. If you have stars and my thought watching it again was, eh, I mean, it doesn't have any heart either. So, (laughs) 
I mean, I, I think it's just the property. I'm just, you know, sure. I had a soft spot for it when it kind of introduced me to, to anime and then just kind of realized as I've gotten older and seen more things that there just really wasn't anything of substance. It looks pretty. It, that's great, but just nothing there that grabs me. Absolutely. So. Sure. Well, uh, we won't be recommending Ghost in the Shell on our uh, film coterie recommends. So we'll take a little break and uh, be back with another segment. back uh we're gonna do a new segment here we're gonna new call segment. the march grade card i don't yeah. have a better name for it well i love this concept adam explain to our audience what what what, what this grade card thing is gonna be about before the beginning of march we said i think this is gonna be a really good month for movies we were excited about a lot coming out so now we're at the end of the month i thought maybe we can just hand out some grades and if we continue to do this month by month at the end of the year we can look back and maybe have a more empirical way of determining what the best month for movies was so what we're going to do is go through the movies we saw in month in, in March and grade them from an A to an F. And these are movies that came out in March. They could premiere on Netflix or VOD or Limited, but they're all March movies. You guys ready? Sure. I mean, we are because me and Roger don't have – we have like <laughs> half as many as you, Adam. Okay. I will start with F. All right. Matt. Do, do you have I, any? Do you have any F? Do you have any movies you're giving an F to this month? Let me see the list of movies I've seen, Roger. Because I've seen the same ones you have, except for Chips. No, I don't have any F movies. I don't have any F movies. I know every you would probably expect me to say Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> but I, I can't give. I it didn't an know F. where you were going to put. Yeah, Beauty I, and the I Beast. can't. I can't give it an F. All right, Roger. Do you have any movies you were I, handing I do. out? An F? Yes, okay. I'm giving Chips a big fat F. And uh, let's get into it a little bit. Why are you giving Chips an F? It just, we talked about it on the podcast last week, and it's just, it's just, there's just, it's it's an F because there's editing issues, there's continuity issues, there's bad acting issues, there's jokes that are, come from, we laugh, we, we, we chuckled, but it's like jokes that were tossed from a mile away and became meteors and were forced upon you. Um yeah, it, it, it's just, it was just a big, ugly, hot mess that I would never recommend to anybody. I, I didn't like the movie at all, to be honest with you, you know. And, and last week when I came out, I, it, would, it would have been like a D, D plus, just because it was fresh in my mind. Oh, it got worse. And it got worse as the week went on, and I really started to think about how bad the movie is. You know? I think that's a tendency with you, Roger. The longer you have to think about a film, the worse it becomes in your mind. Sometimes, yes. But that's not always the case. Not always the case. Because one of my other movies went up the longer I thought about it. All right. on my list. Fair enough. And I have an F. I am giving Table 19 an F. It was the Anna Kendrick Breakfast Club at a Wedding movie. And I at least laughed at Chips. Can't say much. I didn't really laugh a lot at Chips. I didn't laugh at all at Table 19. 
Just a complete misfire. Really bad movie. You guys are laughing at me when I was giving that review because... <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, yeah. We felt bad for you. I know. I know. The only thing that was missing out of Chips from last week was Matt wasn't with us. Yeah. I wanted to see his head explode right in the movie theater. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad I was on special assignment. We're going up in grades and we're up to the D. I'll start. I have one movie I gave a D to okay. and that is Chips. Now... I debated this one. I could easily see myself giving it an F. And the reason I'm not is I'm giving Dax Shepard the benefit of the doubt here. He made this movie with good intentions. I mean, it's like the student that gave you a a project that was just terrible. Maybe it was a collage with lots of stuff glued together. It didn't work, but you know he tried. I'm not trying to be condescending, but Dax didn't set out, I don't think, to make the movie that Chips ended up being. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's bad. I'm giving him a D. Just because I'd feel bad giving him F. So Roger's zipping his mouth. I'm not going to say anything. No. I may not see a worse movie this year than Chips, but it gets a D from me. I don't have any Ds. Uh, I, as well, do not have any Ds. So once again, Beauty and the Beast has dodged the bullet. It's moving up. (laughs) All right, we'll jump to C. Anyone want to start with their Cs? I have one C, and it's Logan. I gave it a C+. Um, It was was a B, B plus, liked it real well. And the long, I saw it a second time, and I liked it less. (laughs) And it came down. So this is Matt's argument. This <laughs> yes. Is, this is Matt's argument. It was a B, B plus, and I And grudgingly, I did vote yes to recommend it. So I did. Yeah, I voted yes. Because that night it was a B plus. Um, but I saw it a second time and it dropped. And and I've sat, I've thought about it a while. My review is, is I think it's maybe three stars on Letterboxd, I think. Two and a half, three stars. Yeah. So C plus for me. For Logan. It's just a, such a sad movie. I don't want to get into it again. I, I just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that universe and that superhero kind of movie just yet. Okay, I have three C's. Go for it. Uh, first up, Kong Skull Island. It just did nothing for me. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. I think it's firmly a C movie. Competently made but just failed to connect for me. Wasn't excited about it, so I have to give that one a C. Next up is a horror movie called The Devil's Candy. I saw this at Fantastic Fest. It's out fresh, new for people this month, and limited on VOD. It's about a house and a possessed guy. It's fine. Nothing special there. Um, Some good performances. Ethan Embry is actually pretty good in it, but it, it just becomes cliche at some point, so I give that a C. And then Belko Experiment. I gave a review of that. Again, I think it was a missed opportunity. Could have done a lot more with the office setting. It gets a C from me. Uh, I as well have a number of Cs, which I guess is, if we're going off a scaling system, we should have a majority of Cs. Uh, So my Cs would be Beauty and the Beast. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would also have to put Ghost in the Shell into my C range. Um, And... Kong Skull Island, I would have to put in there as well. So, uh, I have seen, what, four movies this month in the theater, and three of them are getting C's. 
All right, Roger. Let's hear your C's. Um, I did Logan. That was it. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yep. Sorry. That was my only C. So we're up to B now? We are up to B if anyone wants to start. Uh, I'll go. I don't have any Bs. Not a one? Not a single B. I have three. So, <laughs> Actually, all the rest of my movies are B. So, um, uh, this the, the first example I'll give is Kong. Which I thought was a C when I saw it, and was like, "Meh, C." You know, saw it in IMAX 3D and really liked it better the second time with my kids. Um, liked the atmosphere, the environment, and I guess the 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 stuff that I hit pretty hard about the second half of the movie or the last act or whatever didn't bother me nearly as bad second viewing. I I think I don't know if I was maybe I felt maybe I'm a little was a little influenced by the group's thought about it. And when I watched it with my kids, they really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to bump it up and give it a B, B plus for Kong Skull Island. Absolutely, um, Beauty and the Beast, B plus. Did not get an A just because I like the source material so much better, the music so much better. I would get very good movie, B plus for me for Beauty and the Beast, and Ghost in the Shell, uh, B plus as well too. I liked it. I would recommend it as well. Um, yeah, so that's that's my B's. Okay. So for my B's, I gave Beauty and the Beast a B. Um, good, not great. I thought it was serviceable. I liked it, but, you know, it's it's a yeah, B movie. I agree. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, saw it tonight. Still fresh in my mind. I think I'm going to give it a B. It's above average. It's just missing that extra whatever that could take it to an A. It just doesn't have it. And then The Black Coat's Daughter, a horror movie out this week on VOD and in some theaters. About two girls staying at a prep school over a winter break, and bad things happen. It's a horror movie. Good performances, kind of a unique tale. I give it a B. Check it out. Awesome. We're to the A category. Matt, do you have any A's? Logan. Okay. So I guess three C's and an A. So I like Logan a lot. I I am ready for sad realistic superhero movies uh so uh i liked it i do i think it could have been better yeah i do i think they pulled their punches a little bit in it but it still was good enough to be a great movie for me i liked it okay roger how many a's do you have i don't have any a's and that just makes me sad to be honest with you but i i have one movie that when we get done, if we want to wrap up the first quarter of the year, I have a strong contender for a movie of the year. Already. Get out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, so, um, but yeah, right now I don't have any A's for the month of March. What we're going to do, we'll publish these lists on our website and we will do not tonight, but another night we'll just briefly do our January and February. So we have a complete record for the year. Yeah. But for me, it was a good month. I have three A's. Nice. Let's hear them. Logan, um, I'm glad they took this kind of risk on a superhero movie. Moody, genre, kind of noir, western. I liked it. It was a good swan song for Hugh Jackman. I'm glad it happened. I give it an A. The horror movie Raw. I've talked about it before. Cannibal movie. Really, really dug this movie. I'm excited. It's out at Gateway this week in town. Love Raw. Glad it's out there. I give it an A. And then T2 Train Spotting. Which you guys have not seen. No. Yeah, you were really high on that. I'm still high on it. It's not as good as the first one, but I'm glad they made it. It's a good story to tell 20 years later. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I'll probably grab it as soon as it comes out on video. 
So I really like train spotting too. Awesome. Great. And those are our grades for March. We'll put them on our website. If you've seen any of these movies yep. and you think are, we're right, we're wrong, let us know what let you us think. Know. Grade Do you your agree? own movies. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Leave us a comment. You know, send us an email. Tweet at us something. You know, let us know. Hey, you know, I agree. I think you're crazy, or I, you know, I agree with your decisions. Tell Roger why he's wrong on Logan. Yeah, I mean, put your thoughts on it, and you know, why why you're wrong and we're right, and that's pretty much it. And yes, I said that correctly. <laughs> Anything else? That'll wrap up our grades for March. All right, and welcome back. You're listening to the Film Coterie podcast, and uh, this is a kind of a, a seasonal segment in our show, and this is our March movie madness. I guess there's something going on in the world with this uh, round ball and five players versus five players in the month of March called, you know, uh, basketball, the NCAA tournament kind of deal, the madness that goes on with it, and um Film Spotting, uh, which is a podcast I listen to and many others do, they do a movie-themed madness to coincide with the March Madness of the NCAA tournament. And this year, they picked their pantheon of 64 great movies, classics, instant classics, the movies they think are, 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 are noteworthy and timeless, and they matched them up against each other. And I can finally report we're down to the final four, and so we're going to review the Elite Eight, and um, it appears that I'm running away. with. We did our picks. We started all the way with the 64 teams, the 64 movies, and we picked one movie versus another movie. And I just happened to look out and pick what I thought the populace would like, I guess. So Roger crushed us. Matt and I tied. It's all over. There's yeah. uh, no more room to go on this. Matt <laughs> yeah. and I are dead in the water. Had nothing in the Final Four. All over but the crying for us. <laughs> Yeah, so let me just go over the Elite Eight matchups and get you guys' thoughts about um, which you think is a better movie of the two. And this is the way they explain it on Film Spotting. They say you're standing between Theater 8, Theater 9. This title's on Theater 8. This title's on Theater 9. Which one are you walking into? You have to make a decision, you know. Which one are you going to go see? All right. Kind of deal. So, um let me pull this up here real quick. Okay, our first matchup, and, and these results are already in. I'll tell you who won. I'm going to go over the Elite Eight, then I'll give you the, the final four, and we'll tell you who's up for a vote for next week. But uh, the first matchup is the great classic, The Godfather, right, which is, I think it was the number one overall seed in their pantheon of 64 um, movies, and it's going against Casablanca. Uh, the classic Bogart Bergman film. You're, both of those are showing on the screen. If you had to pick between the two of those, which one are you picking? Godfather. Casablanca. And I would pick, oh, this is so tough for me because um, I love both of them, but I'm going to pick The Godfather. And lo and behold, the winner of that was The Godfather, 59% to 41%. 
to, of their listening audience that participated in the poll. You can actually still vote if you want to jump in. You go to uh, filmspottingmadness.com, and their voting poll will be right there. Our second matchup in this Super 8, this Elite 8, is Citizen Kane versus 2001, A Space Odyssey. The classic Citizen Kane, Orson Welles, AFI's number one film many times uh, versus my, what might be considered the greatest science fiction film of all time by the critics. Which one are you going in to see? You're standing between the two of them. I picked Citizen Kane on my bracket, but if I was standing in between two theaters, I would go in and watch 2001 Space Odyssey. Adam? Here's my dirty shame. I like Kubrick. <laughs> 2001 is... It's never done much for me. I just doesn't. Um, I hate to admit that. It's true. I would go see Citizen Kane. And the winner was 2001 A Space Odyssey. 53% to 47%. Although I, I will say, I've seen Citizen Kane a number of times. I would go in and watch 2001 again to see if I missed anything that Kubrick was doing. Right. There's that. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Because, no, you're absolutely right. Like, there are certain things in 2001 A Space Odyssey that I'm like, this is stupid. And I don't want to see it in a film. I would much rather. Now, if you gave me a choice between watching 2001 A Space Odyssey, watching or reading it, I'd rather read it. Oh, yeah, I would too. So, if I'm standing there, I'm going to go see Citizen Kane. Because no matter how many times I've seen that film, and it's only been maybe six times, there's all I'm always blown away by something new, something I, I didn't catch that the first time. Oh, I remember, yeah, that shot, that angle he had on the camera kind of thing. I just, I love that movie myself. So even though I love 2001 A Space Odyssey as well. Our last two matchups are The Godfather Part Two, which many critics believe is the greatest movie in that trilogy of movies. Um versus Tarantino's juggernaut of popular of popular uh, appeal, which is Pulp Fiction. So you have Pulp Fiction, which has a huge following, versus Godfather, which is considered a, a, an amazing classic as well. Both of them are classics. But so you're standing there. What do you think? If you you know if you're between the two movies, which one do you want to go see? Pulp Fiction. Uh, Pulp Fiction. And for me, it would be The Godfather Part Two, just because I love the epicness of that. I'm just, and I love Pulp Fiction too. I, I hate having to pick between the two, but I would go Godfather. The winner was Pulp Fiction, fifty-three percent to forty-seven percent. And our last movie, here we go. This is a tough one for me. Is The Empire Strikes Back versus Vertigo? Hitchcock's Vertigo starring Jimmy Stewart, Kim Novak versus what many people consider the best Star Wars film of the whole series. The Not only that, one of the best sequels of all time. Sequels are hard to do and Empire really nailed it. Yep, absolutely. You're standing between the two of them. Which one are you going to see? This one's not a choice for me. It's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it is the Star Wars movie I have seen the least. And, but it's also my favorite. The reason I've seen it the least is I have a small kid and I hid the the Anakin is Vader reveal as long as I possibly could. <laughs> so we, we've seen the other ones. 
I take that back. I probably have seen Return of the Jedi the least, but Empire Strikes Back is probably a close second. So yeah. um, I would I would go see Empire. Okay, this is really tough for me because this is my favorite Hitchcock film. It is my has my favorite actor of all time, Jimmy Stewart, starring in it. Um, it's my second favorite Jimmy Stewart film of the 78 that he made, and I own all 78 of them. It's my second favorite film, but I love Empire Strikes Back. And so I'm going to go Empire Strikes Back. I, I cannot believe I live in a world where I would vote against Jimmy Stewart in a movie, but I love Empire. And guess what? Empire Strikes Back won the poll 55 to 45%. So that brings us then to this coming week is our final four. It will be The Godfather versus 2001, A Space Odyssey, and Pulp Fiction versus The Empire Strikes Back. I have a gut feeling that we're descending toward an Empire Strikes Back overall win. I think this this audience... Now, yeah, I think that too. Now, now let, me, let me just go over who Empire Strikes Back has beaten to get to this point. Round one, it was Singing in the Rain. Round two, it was Apocalypse Now. And in round three, it was Vertigo. It is a pretty tough juggernaut. Now, it's not been winning by huge margins. It's always been in the 50s, 57, 56, 53. But I think it's a juggernaut. Uh, but see, Pulp Fiction is the same way. It's been in the 50s. Well, it won its first one against Rio Bravo by 83%. So it, it dominated its first round matchup. But other than that, Pulp Fiction's been plugging along. Uh, Godfather has been pretty dominant. Let me see about 2001 A Space Odyssey. 2001 A Space Odyssey has been pretty strong. It won, it beat Do the Right Thing, and then it beat Back to the Future, and then it beat uh, Citizen Kane. And knocking off Citizen Kane, we may be looking at an all-space final here, folks. I'm telling you, it could be 2001 versus The Empire Strikes Back. And so we will report next week. We'll just give you the finals and kind of let you know what's going on. Uh, but that's our March Movie Madness Report. back for our movie homework assignment we took last week off because matt wasn't here so these were the assignments from two weeks ago and i assigned matt a movie that i told him he would not like so i'm going to start with him and i'm pretty sure he did not like this movie i was assigned funny games the second or well, the remake of funny games the remake of funny games the remake by the same person of funny games yes the remake of the same movie from 10 years prior. <laughs> Got that itch. I'm going to do this again. <laughs> I'm doing it again. Um, so it was Michael Haneke. Haneke? Haneke? Uh, how do you say it? Is that right? Yeah, Haneke. Haneke. All right. Um, and Adam guessed correctly. I, I was not a fan of the movie. Um, normally in horror movies, I get excited. I don't like horror movies as much as Adam, but I like horror movies. 
uh, I don't know what this was. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> one would have to say horror movie. Yeah. People are killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, never once was I in fear. I pretty much knew as soon as unsuspecting family was introduced to said villains that they were all going to die. Just, I got that sense right out of the gate that people aren't going to live in this movie. Um, and yeah. So anyway, the plot of this is essentially well to do. Family goes vacations somewhere. They have a vacation home. They go to vacation, sail their boat. Um, upon arrival, their neighbors bring over this gentleman named Paul. Uh, played by Michael Pitt. Yep. It's just a funny coincidence. We saw him tonight in Ghost in the Shell. Uh, Michael Pitt is exceptional in this film. I thought he was really good. This was the first time I'd seen him in anything. I don't know that it was his first movie, but this is what made me aware of him. Yeah. With good reason. I think he does an exceptional job. So, uh, Michael Pitt also has a friend along with him that he affectionately refers to as Tubby. Tom. I think he calls him several different names. Through yeah. this movie. Um, and it starts out, they ask the family for eggs. He breaks them, asks for more eggs. Breaks breaks them those. right in front of her. Yeah, breaks them right in front of her. Uh, and then she won't give up her eggs. And he becomes irate. Refuses to leave the home. Husband comes in. Argument about eggs. Uh, in the midst of this, the dog is killed. He kills a dog with a golf club. And I think once they killed the dog, that's when I knew this family is going to die. Yep, That's a horror rule. Yeah. Horror rules are very important to this movie. Yes, because it is a commentary, I think, on horror. And violence, gratuitous yeah. violence. Right. Um, but for the most part, all of the violence is off screen. Yeah. Right? It doesn't show the dog getting killed. It doesn't show person dying by gunshot. It doesn't show stabbing. It doesn't show any violence on screen for the most part. No, it really doesn't. Now no. I'm thinking back about it. It doesn't show any violence on screen. You just know it's going on. Um, there's psychological torture going on, but not um, violence per se. So the movie goes on. Husband gets in an argument with uh, Paul, I guess is his name. And then it just goes downhill from there. They, they essentially break Paul's leg with a golf club, tie the family up in the living room. The family consists of mother, father, young boy. Um, and they essentially torture them. Uh, all the while, Paul is breaking the fourth wall and commenting. And it's like, they have to follow the rules of a horror story of a horror movie. You know, he's wanting them to make bets on whether they'll live till 11 o'clock the next day and things like that. I wouldn't mind it if it was a commentary, but there wasn't enough there to be commentary ish. So it was on the one hand, an awful horror movie. And on the other hand, a really bad commentary, (laughs) at least in my opinion, (laughs) So it just didn't work. Did like, you read up about this afterwards? Uh, a, a little bit, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I know you said after I came into your office and said, look, I didn't like this movie. You're like, read up about it, read. And I started to, 
And then I realized I just didn't care enough about the movie to read <laughs> up a whole lot. Fair enough. <laughs> but, I mean, I did read far enough that it's kind of, you know, his commentary on this. But people are kind of split on it. I mean, it's been referred to as art house torture porn. Yep. But I think that's unfair because thinking back about it, there is no, like a movie like Hostel. If you think of like a Hostel movie, Eli Roth, it, like that's torture porn. There's no torture on camera. You just know it's happening. You don't see it. It's not gory per se. This There's movie blood on a wall, but it's film with a capital F. Yes. This is almost an art project. It, a failed art project, I would say. Can you fail at art? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're trying to get a message across. I think he's trying to have a conversation. He um, is. I agree with you. He's not as effective at getting across whatever he wants to get across. Right. But there's some movies that try to prove a point point. Mm-hmm. and it, it may not be the point they're trying to prove. Uh, so one is, I'm trying to think, what is it? Cabin in the woods. Yeah. That is genre bending while saying, yes, there's rules and playing around with those rules. Whereas this was kind of never, it just, I don't know. I think it kind of missed. There's a very finite nature to this movie because Michael Pitt enforces all the rules no matter what. Yes. Not only breaking the fourth wall, breaking time and reality if he needs to, to fix things. Yeah. We, I mean, we're not even going to get into the fact that he picks up the TV remote and rewinds the movie. Yeah. He's making the sure movie he's in. Yes. He's a force. He is. Yeah. And here's the thing I always thought about this movie. I think Haneke made it and he would like to go sit in a cafe outside a theater and just listen to people talk about it because people are engaged at all levels on this movie. You're going to get a younger couple that didn't realize there's anything else going on. And they're going to talk about how bad of a horror movie it was. Right. They didn't pick up on anything else. They didn't see the next layer. Then you're going to have another couple that may be more into film saying, I think he was trying to do this or this. Did you notice the rules of horror being bent and reshaped? So there's that level of engagement. And there may be more than that. Was this a commentary on violence and that it shouldn't be entertaining and it should be bad? I mean, there's people that say he meant this movie to be not liked by anyone. If that's the case, he did an excellent yeah. job. So those conversations, I think, is just something that he'd want to sit and listen to. I understand. Because if you engage on this at a pass level, as a lot of American audiences would, right over their heads. Right. But, I mean, when you're thinking about a film like this that you just want to hear the conversations when they come out, or maybe it's a commentary on something, I would rather go see a Lynch film that has, like, absolutely... I I was thinking the same thing. Absolutely no plot, but the film itself is still engaging. I think when you make the film unengaging, the point you're trying to get across gets lost in the mix. There is nothing else that I've ever seen like Funny Games because, I mean, Lynch is worth discussion, but Funny Games is such a personal assault on what on you. Yes, it yeah. That, I mean, it's very interesting to me, and I, I don't like this movie. I'm not trying to sell it to anyone, but I think any film buff should check it out and then read about it because it's really interesting to me that this director would make this movie twice, and it may be a movie you're not even supposed to like. Yeah, no, I I mean, I agree with that. But if you boil it back down to the first level, the horror part of it, it's an awful movie. 
Like there's just nonsensical stuff. I know we all get into the horror genre of, well, why don't you just leave the situation or do, I mean, there are windows of time where they're literally their son has been killed with a shotgun. The husband cannot move. She's able to run away and she decides to dry a cell phone for 10 minutes. Like literally like 10 minutes of screen time when they're arguing about whether or not she should run to get help. Yeah. And the, I mean, it, it wasn't done accidentally. No, 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 no. And you, this, and, again, this is what I think the director wants to sit in the cafe and hear. Yeah. Cause again, it's kind of a deconstruction of horror and <laughs> what works, what doesn't work. And yeah, but I like it more as a comment. All right. I hope it is a commentary on against violence for violence sake in film. I, it, that's my understanding. Yeah. If it's anything other than that, I want to smack him in the face. <laughs> that's just how I feel yeah. about it. But if it's against violence for violence sake, I'm, I totally agree. And I'm totally on board. Like I like horror without a lot of violence. Like the witch love the witch. Uh, let the right one in doesn't have a ton of horror, like violence in it. Roger, have you ever seen let the right one in? I can't remember. That's a no. Uh, um, <laughs> what was the one with the ghost venereal disease? With it follows. What? Oh, it follows. Oh, it follows. Yeah. Another great, you don't have to have violence to have a scary movie. Is it sad when you said that three titles popped to mind? <laughs> what? Wow. Well, just venereal disease horror. <laughs> That's a subgenre that I could rattle off some titles. <laughs> the night of something strange. Ah, well, all right. Adam, now, now my mind Adam your depth of horror knowledge never ceases to fail to, to amaze me. Teeth. <laughs> I've seen teeth. Oh my gosh. Dentata. <laughs> yes, dentata. Um, so yeah, I I thoroughly detested this movie. Yep. <laughs> um, but maybe I was supposed to. Do so. not check out this movie to our casual listening audience. Unless you I mean, you want to see something weird, you want to read about it, it's worth doing as an experiment, but you're not going to like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, the only, I will say Michael Pitt's good in it. Naomi Watts is okay with it. Um, They completely and utterly wasted Tim Roth in the movie. (laughs) Completely. Uh, Because I like Tim Roth, and literally he says like, I don't know, like maybe eight or nine sentences in the whole movie. So it may be more than that, but I'm just angry about it. Yep. All right. So, yeah, I didn't like it, but if it's a commentary on keep violence out of horror films, I think it was well done. But, man, I don't want to see it again. No. I can't imagine remaking it ten years later. All right. So for my movie, Roger oh, yes. sent me in the Wayback Machine. Yep. Well, well I, I sent you The Man Who Laughs. The Man Who Laughs. 1928 silent film. I watched it on YouTube. Yep. It's up there. There you go. It's right there for free. You can just watch it, as a lot of silent films are, which is a great thing. Um, and I did this intentionally because this film was kind of a watershed moment in silent film where it became a mega hit. Mm-hmm. So you got to remember the history of the 20s. You had 1923... You had the Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
And that was the first time people realized, wow, you can actually do a movie somewhat to scale, spend some money on it, have effects. Lon Chaney was amazing and, and had great success. Then in 25, they did uh, Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney. And um, big success, big bigger budget, that kind of thing. And so here comes 1928. I think they spent like a million dollars to make this movie in 1928 it was maybe the largest budget ever at that time three three to five years in the making and um yeah a victor hugo story you know and uh in the considered in the horror genre even though i have a question about that for you yeah whether you consider this horror or not you know um, cause I don't know if I do or not, but anyway, I'm just curious wh- whether you liked, hated, was bored with, uh, what you thought about the man who laughs. Um, I, do I need to give any more background? No, no, that's it. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a revenge tale without the revenge. I mean, you have a guy that is disfigured as a child. He's the son of a rebel, rebel leader at some point in yep. English history. So they take his child, do some kind of surgery yeah. off screen. So the child always has a horrific grin on his face. So they said he'll always be laughing at his father, the traitor, whatever. So the people that took the child in have to flee England and they leave him behind. And he finds a little baby from another lady that was left behind. The baby's blind, takes her in, ends up with a traveling showman named Ursus. There's some weird yes. names in here. Yes. He's named Gwenaplane. Yep. Yeah, the hero. And Dia is the girl. Dia is the blind girl that he took in. Yes. And then it jumps forward in time. He's now a circus performer. Yep. Freak. Known as the man who laughs. Yeah. He never laughs. He just has this grin on his face and he's very much the prototype Joker. The look. He's got the slick back hair, the white paint. It's black and white. He's paler when he puts on the makeup. Yeah. And he's got this frozen, horrific giant, grin on his giant face. Giant, teethy grin. The guy's all teeth, so yes. it helps sell the grin. Yeah. And the actor does a really good job with it. And I don't know if they had stuff holding his mouth open. They, they did. If you want, I can give you some background about yeah. it. They, they used a denture prosthetic in the front, and then they used wiring to pull his cheeks back. So he would have that permanent smile look, you know, that real teethy permanent smile look. Because what I was going to say is it's hard when you're smiling like that, your eyes smile, you know, because you're in the muscles and everything else. But if something was holding his mouth open, because he gives a lot of performance with his eyes. Yes, very He's much very so. sad. Very sad. He's been mocked his entire life. Um, the blind girl, Dia, loves him. Yeah, unconditionally. Unconditionally. And he doesn't feel like he's worthy of it because to the rest of the world, he's a freak. Yeah. So he's able to convey a lot of sadness with his eyes and just shame and a lot of emotions, but you normally couldn't do it if you were smiling. But that makes sense. If something else is holding his mouth open, that he could convey some more expressions with his face. Yeah. So politics come out. He's revealed to be a secret heir because he was the son of the rebel. A marriage is set up. He wants to see... A seduction. A seduction. (laughs) Which is very... Which is a little bit funny for, but it's 1928. Okay, this lady's into him. She is really into him, and kind of a countess. Yes, 
has some kinks. Yeah, oh yeah, she's, and it's never really clear, but she's she's into the smiling man. She's weird. I mean, she's yeah, she's out weird. There. She has some fetishes. I mean, you know, she dresses up in vagabond kind of clothes and yeah. goes out in and lets men fondle her. Yeah. And it seems the movie to, was kind of racy, I thought, for well, it's a 20. It's, I'd forgotten, but it is very racy. Yes. Yeah, I was surprised at some There's of the some stuff nudity, they would have yeah, gotten away with. Some nudity and stuff. And yeah, some people was, were probably clutching their pearls in the theater if they saw it. Yeah. So anyway, he he gets elevated to a lord. And then very quickly, the movie's kind of strange in the amount of time it takes to unfold. Because it feels like the climax for almost a two-hour movie. It's an hour and 50 minutes. Builds, 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 and then a crazy amount of stuff happens in the last seven minutes. Yes. And I figured that might have been a budget issue because all the budget comes in at the end. Yeah. There's a manhunt, tons of people. Thousands of extras. Torches are out. He's sword fighting on top of a bridge, and he's trying to get to the boat. They're leaving town, and he's got to get on it. But it literally happens over six or seven minutes, and then credits. Yep. So the yeah. the pacing's a little off there. I would agree. There's fat in the middle, but I liked it. It's a great looking movie. Uh, well, you know, you you have to keep. I have to keep telling myself this is 1928, and they have some amazing outdoor shots. I mean, in the snow and and it's just you know ex, all these extras and you know. Uh, it, it, this had just not been done in film to that point. That many, you know, that large of a scale of a movie, and it was a huge success financially. It really was. It was. It was a pretty, pretty successful movie as well, too. Yeah, you know? and it's a silent movie, and it's, it's near the end of that era, as far as I know. Yeah. Because you said it was twenty eight. Twenty eight. James Whale's Frankenstein came out in thirty one. Yeah. And it was not a silent <coughs> movie. No. So you're right at well, the edge well, of that. And they, they debated because a lot of the theaters across the country started getting sound in them. And so they debated about the soundtrack, whether to put noises and stuff in it. And, and it, and it's mostly an orchestra score that they sent out with the movie, you know? Um, and it didn't, you know, didn't, you know, some of them would do noises when they talk and stuff. It, it this kind of held true to more of um, the older, Teen, you know, teens, uh, silent films, a lot of dialogue, a lot of flip yes. up dialogue. And not all of it was conveyed. And no, they can't always do it, but you see characters. Saying, a lot of, a lot of, you know, we're a modern audience and we like the pace a little faster. A lot of double shots. Like they'd show you the page and then they'd show you the page up real close, you know, in different parts of the yes, page. To Sometimes make sure, they throw you a page to make in sure three you parts. got the message. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> which, which, yeah, I, I now, but I can forgive that. As far as horror movie. That was my question. Is this a horror movie? I'd say it's a gothic tragedy. Yeah. It has a lot of gothic elements. There's nothing in here. It's a horror movie. Yeah. Well, Roger Ebert calls it a melodrama. Okay. That's how he rated it with, with an expressionist feel to it. It's very much ex- that German expressionist. The stuff is kind of bent a little bit. It's, it's shot like out of perspective sometimes. Um, so you get a lot of that feel as well too with, with the movie. But I, that was my question. This really is a sad love story, tragedy kind of. Well, it's happier than the book. Oh, well, yeah, it may be. I've not read the book, so. Yeah, there's a happy ending here. In the book, it's not so happy. <laughs> in the book, he's of too course. late, and he kills himself. Yeah. yeah, Everyone dies in the book. It's Victor Hugo. Well, of course. So they, they changed it for American audiences. They made a happy ending. Wow. 
That's interesting. Yep. So anyway, but I, one of the reasons I picked this is that the set designer, I think it's the set designer, there's a guy from Universal that worked on this film that would go on to make all of the classic horror movies, Dracula, Frankenstein. And there you go. Frankenstein is one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. If you've been to my apartment, I have the original James Whale poster done oh, by gorgeous Drew yeah. Struzan right over my couch. Yeah. He didn't do the original, but it, he did a poster celebrating the original and so you can see some of the seed of this Mm -hmm. in this movie some of the seeds for what will be some of the great classic horror films later yeah and don't even get me started on the current state of the universal monsters we're getting the tom cruise mummy movie all i want is fair treatment for these universal monsters (laughs) please don't don't do this stop what you don't like the trailers no 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 (laughs) I want a Guillermo uh, del Toro directed Frankenstein movie, and every time something like this Tom Cruise mummy or the Aaron Eckhart I Frankenstein, uh, yuck, it carries me further away from my goal. Okay, awesome. So yeah, no, I know I like the Man Who Laughs. If you're into older movies, you should check it out. It's on YouTube. Cool, I'm glad you did. And I had pie. The food? No, the movie Pi. The, the Cherry. number. The number 3.14 into infinity, right? Yes. Now, let me just say right from the beginning that um, I really dug the way this movie was shot. This movie was right in my wheelhouse. Grainy, black and white, uh, camera moving a lot, frenetic, very frenetic camera all over the place. Uh, I liked this movie a lot. I really did. I mean, I was... I was like, wow. I was really surprised this wasn't already in my wheelhouse of movies. (laughs) Just being honest with you. Um, I I really liked that it was almost, it it was shot as if you are that this, well, let me give you a little backup here. Brilliant mathematician, super genius, living in Chinatown. And um, he is literally trying to solve this super equation and it's driving him crazy. His mentor is a mathematician who gave up, who, who literally had a stroke, and it's almost insinuated that this same math problem gave him his physical problems, you know, drove him kind of crazy as well, too. And he's just like, you can't figure out, because this mathematician believes that if he can solve this math problem, he can figure out the whole world. The whole yeah. world is wrapped up in this math equation. Because he's trying to do stock predictions. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so... As a caveat, here comes in the Hasidic Jews and their belief that the Bible, the Torah, is a book of numbers, and that specifically. Now, this is you know n- not really this is a spoiler, but it's this movie's this been movie's out. Yes, in nineteen ninety eight. So so tough luck. Yeah. Deal with it. Here comes these Hasidic Jews that come in, and they believe that there's a Bible code, and that literally there's a two hundred and sixteen letter. No, there's a 216 number answer equation formula that's out there that literally is the key to the whole Bible and the literal name of God. Yeah, that was like spoken in the Holy of Holies. Right. Yeah. That this was because, you know, um, in case you don't understand this, there's some really some truth behind this. Uh, every Hebrew word has a numerical value. Okay. Hebrew letter, excuse me. So, like, certain words will add up to certain numerical value. And so they believed that 
that the word of the name of God was a 216 numerical value name that if said would bring about the the Messiah, the end of the world and the transformation, the kingdom of God, their whole their whole religious thing that's there. And so you have all of these pieces going on. You have these 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 uh, Hasidic Jews that are trying to get this mathematician to help them break this code. Then you've got a big corporation that's trying to get him to work for them so that they can bend the stock market to their whims and and then uh, allow them to become rich off of him. And he just wants to solve this problem because he believes it's the answer to life and everything. You know, he believes it is the it's the math itself that drives him. And then you have people that are in his apartment complex around him who kind of give him some support that keep him somewhat bent in reality as much as he can, you know. And it descends into this pursuit of that number. And so uh, I guess that's all the movie I want as far as the, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but that's kind of the the whole bent of, of the movie. And I like it. I like it a lot. The, the only thing that I didn't like, and this is where my I see, I have, I have two backgrounds that really make me connect with this movie. Okay. My one background is I, I, I love numer, I love, I'm not a numerologist, but I love sim, the symbolism of numbers and speci- specifically with the Bible. And so I, I wouldn't consider myself a numerologist, but I love how all of that kind of ties together. I think that's really cool. There's, there's a lot of, I've studied some of the numerology in the Bible and specifically the Old Testament, and there's some really cool stuff that's actually there, and they show little pieces of it in this movie. So that really whetted my appetite a lot there. And then the other side of it is I really like IT. I'm an IT guy. I like technology. I like, And this guy has a supercomputer built in his, his apartment, you know. And he's using this supercomputer, and if he can get this super chip that this corporation has, he can crack the code and solve it and all this stuff. And But it's not really a supercomputer. It's really like Frankenstein's being created here. He has built this laboratory, and this would never be a functioning real computer in real life. You just have to – I had to kind of put my mind and say, okay – he really wouldn't put the processor chip suspended above there in a glass dome with air blowing in on it to cool it. That would just burn it up. I mean, all of the, the technical side of it, I had to kind of shut my mind off because I was like, that's impossible to happen. That can You wouldn't literally th- smash it on the floor and then resolder it and be okay. No, these are called microchips for a reason. They use microscopes to solder these things together. But anyway, other than that, I... I I liked the movie a lot. I liked, um, I'm curious why you assigned the movie to me. What you just, because of those, some of those things, um, a number of things. One, I know you like the numbers. Uh, and it's this, you know, black and white film grainy that kind of is, you know, is a callback to old school film. Uh, and the fact that it has this, you know, this whole religious, I mean, aside from the number thing where it's the number, but it's like this, people want to know what that name, I mean, there's also this intriguing, we need to know what this right. number is so right. we know the name so well, we can do these things. It's, it's interesting. His mentor is kind of the balance, tries to get bring the balance. He like, tells him, he's like, listen, don't get hung up on 216. 
because you'll start seeing that everywhere in the world. You'll have 216 steps from your bathroom down to the first floor. You, you know, and he's like, it's almost like he's saying, if you get stuck on a number, it, you will it will become self fulfilling prophecy. You know, like if all of a sudden the number eighty seven stands out to you, you'll start you'll start seeing sevens and eights and eighty sevens everywhere. And so he tries to bring him into reality, but this guy is driven. He is convinced. He is one hundred percent. So he's like, no, I am convinced. If I figure this out, I will figure out the meaning of all life and everything that exists within it. Yeah, and there's that weird, the movie has the weird drive forward and how a compulsion like this can mess you up. Because yes. Max, who's this, who is the guy that has the computer that figures this out, is he doesn't have a good time after this number gets kicked out to him. So he starts developing bulges on the side of his head and eventually yeah. ends up trepanning himself with a drill. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy out there, you know. Yeah. Um I th- you know, and I think I mean the number pi, I mean the number the movie isn't about the number pi. But I think pi kind of goes along with what you just said where Saul says, "Don't worry about the number, you'll see it everywhere." Because many people in school learn that you use pi when dealing with a circle. Yeah. But what most people don't realize is that pi is used all kinds of other places. Like if I take a bundle of sticks in my hand, round cylinder, like chopsticks, like a bunch of them in my hand or pickup sticks and drop them onto a floor with parallel lines across them. How those sticks arrange themselves with relationship to those parallel lines is a function of pi. And Pi does a bunch of other weird stuff that people just well, don't know. And I like the idea that they showed the one, the one brilliant his, historical mathematician, his golden rectangle that he created, and how that as you divide it, it always has it creates a circle and another rectangle exactly like it. And then he tied it into Da Vinci, based a lot of his artwork off of this rectangle and so those are some cool math geometry stuff yeah it kind of weaves in the fibonacci sequences and things like that yeah yeah very cool i I liked the movie a lot um i don't know if i'd recommend it to a general audience i I, no it's no it's 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 a a headier film it's a heady film you got to kind of be into that 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 deal but i really really dug the movie a lot you know yeah well, awesome. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, absolutely. So, All right. Time to divvy out the new assignments. Roger, you went last. Yeah. You get to do your shot first. So I'm trying to figure out what kind of movies Matt likes and doesn't like. And I cannot. I'm all over the place. So I'm just I'm literally going to continue to throw darts. So my, this next assignment is a movie that I saw on Netflix. Okay. It might be recent. And it's very recent. It is recent. Oh, wow. 2017. And as soon as I got done watching it, I thought, I wonder what Matt would think about this movie. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to think because you told me the name earlier and I looked up a little blurb and it said, their failed cringe humor. And I went, oh, no. What's the name of it? I don't feel at home in the world anymore. Oh, no. (laughs) So that's your assignment. And I know how I felt after I watched it. And so uh, I'm curious to see if you, um, yeah, 
I kind of, I kind of, just from your reaction, I kind of think I know how you're going to react to it. But, uh, you know. Oh, well, we'll find out. I'll watch it and let you know. It's <laughs> going to be awesome. <laughs> so that's 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 my assignment for you. All right, Roger. I have you. Okay. I have given you a multi-week reprieve. From All right. Horror. Here we go. And I'm going to ease you back in. Just baby steps. Okay. So the movie I'm giving you uh, for next week is Cabin in the Woods. I knew it was coming eventually. It was definitely coming. I'm happy to sign it to you. It's written by Joss Whedon. It is not your typical horror movie. Go in cold. Don't even watch the trailer for this thing. I have not seen. I have heard critics mention it and how they liked it. Well, I mentioned it when talking about something that bends rules. So Yeah. And so, but I've never seen, I, I have no, all I, I'm just already in my mind thinking people trapped in a cabin in the woods and horrific things are going to happen to them. Just it's, from the title. That's all I'm thinking, you know, so. Joss Whedon wrote it. Chris Hemsworth is in it. So you get Thor. Okay. And awesome. I'm very excited to hear what you think about this movie. Oh, gosh. Okay. But like I said, I'm easing you back in. Yeah, you're working me up to try to get me to watch it come next I'm fall. I'm getting you to the deep end. <laughs> We're starting with the waiters on your arms. Oh, man. Okay. And All now right. Matt has to hand out his assignment. Yes. So I have Adam, and it's so hard for me to give Adam a film because he's seen pretty much everything I have. But I did watch a movie the other day. Um, me and Adam went and watched Metropolis together many years oh, ago, talking about movie. Fritz Lang. And there is Emma. Another- is that what you're signing? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, because there's another one on oh. Netflix right now. You can go check it out, and that would be Destiny. Yeah, I'm excited. So I've se- I've seen it recently. Um, I'll reserve whatever I have to say, but it's a Fritz Lang film, so it's one of those Old. things that you know. Yeah, I'm sticking in the black and white. Was influential to Silent Hitchcock. Oh, I'm going to watch things that like that. Too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, those are our new assignments. So check them out yourself. We're watching. I'm watching Destiny. Roger is watching Cabin in the Woods. And Matt gets. I don't feel at home in the world anymore. Yes. Okay. So check back next week, and we'll give you our thoughts. All right, and we're back, and uh, it's time for our coming attractions. And I don't think we have any coming attractions. Next week's going to be interesting because it the wide releases skew young and old. Smurfs coming out for the young crowd, going out in styles coming out for the older crowd. Oh, that's the heist movie with yeah oh, Michael Caine, yeah. yeah, Morgan Freeman, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there doesn't really seem to be. So maybe we'll do something creative and different. We'll figure out something next yes, week. Yes, we'll, absolutely. We're still doing an episode. Yeah. You guys, I've been thinking about sewer clowns this whole time. No. Who's been thinking I about? have. I've been sitting here thinking about sewer clowns. I would totally talk to a sewer I clown. I would, too. I, I realized that if I was going out to my car tonight. <laughs> Shut up. There, there was a clown in the sewer saying, hey, 
come over here in the dark parking lot i would i'd go say what's going on buddy? thank god i parked right around the corner <laughs> now i would talk to him right yes but if he had my little paper boat that went down there i'm not reaching for it i am not reaching into the sewer with a sewer comb but oh, I, w- no, I would I'm... talk to him and i would say throw it out here if you want me to have it throw it all the way out to me i'm not reaching in there why would there be a clown in the sewer to begin with that's what i want to find out i would talk to a sewer clown not me, buddy. <laughs> right. I am hightailing it out of there. Anyway. Okay. So nothing nothing for really coming. We'll have something. We just don't really know what we it is. We got to figure it out. Yeah. The movies are, are not lighting our fire next weekend. Let's just be April's honest. rough. We were, we were lucky in March. There were a lot of choices. April's rough. March will, I mean, May will be good. May's when the when all the, the blockbusters start hitting. Summer movie you know, uh, blockbusters. Maybe we could do a little summer movie preview or something. What's to come, you know, or look ahead. What we're what I'm pulling about. up is July. July is crazy. Let me see it here. All right. This could be an all-timer. Cross your fingers. But in July, we have the first week, Spider-Man Homecoming, A Ghost Story, uh, Patty Cakes, which I want to see. It's, it came out of South by Southwest. War for the Planet of the Apes. Valerian. That's all week one? No, no, no. Oh, okay, for the month. This is just for the month. <laughs> all week one? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, you're going to have to live it in here. No. My mind is blown. I'm sorry. Week two is just War for the Planet of the Apes. Week three is Valerian and Dunkirk. Ooh. And it <sighs> ends with whatever that untitled Disney movie is. We don't know what it is. Mystery movie. Mystery movie and Atomic Blonde. Dark Tower was also there until today when it moved, but that last week would have been Dark Tower and Atomic Blonde, but now Dark Tower is in August. I'm excited to see Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. I can't can't remember what it's about. It's sort of Charlize Theron as John Wick. Yeah. From one of the John Wick directors. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. So that's a heck of a month. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yep. So, Adam, where can folks find us on the Film Coterie, and how can they connect with us? The easiest way is on Facebook. Uh, if you just search for us on Facebook as the Film Coterie or just go to facebook.com backslash Film Coterie, it comes right up. Give us a like. Get all our new content. You can message us on there. We're also on Twitter. Our handle is at Film Coterie. And we have a website, filmcoterie.com. Awesome. Anything else, Matt, for, for this week? Not for me. Adam, anything else? That's all I got. All right, well, you guys have a great week. Enjoy the movies, and we'll see you next time.